Good afternoon, folks. Uh, we're wrapping up another week here on the Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly. Uh, I'm Chris Temple, uh, editor and publisher of the National Investor. And as always, we have the mercenary geologist, Mickey Fulp. And Mickey, just when we thought that uh, we hit one near-term extreme a week ago as far as the volatility and whatnot, we get this week with uh, twin roughly to round, round off the numbers, 1,000-point up and down days in the Dow. Uh, crazy, crazy time. Yeah, it was quite mysterious to me that the markets reacted positively to Powell's punditry on Wednesday. I couldn't understand that. Yeah. Uh, but but that was corrected over the last two days. Big sell-off. Boy, it sure um, was. At least, yeah. at least with the metals, I guess you can say that, uh, by and large, gold and silver especially did less bad than stocks did. Yeah, gold closed down thirteen bucks, closed at eighteen eighty three. Did not really react to this Fed chairman speech. Um, it's been in a sawtooth pattern for the last three plus weeks, but steadily down, if you will. Silver had another bad week. It closed at 22.33. Don't know if I mentioned this. Gold closed at 18.83, down seven tenths percent. Platinum bucked the trend. It was up $19, or actually $21 to close at at 9.58. Palladium, along with all the industrial metals. It had the worst week of all. It closed at 1978, down 11% on the week. Oh, that was brutal. Um, copper actually this week registered its lowest weekly close of the year. That it did. Close at 423, down 4.7%. This is reflective of a big drop in all the industrial metals this week driven by recession fears, Chinese lockdowns, demand questions. Uh, one thing that did happen this week, uh, the futures market closed in fairly decent contango, so uh, that's probably positive for the market. Sure. Moving on, Mickey, this week, uh, energy was one of the only things showing any gains. That along with the dollar, but WTI had a very nice week, closed at 110.34, up 5.7% on the week. Uh, but it remains within its recent trading range, let's say, of, what, 95 to $112, somewhere in there. Uh, let's go through the numbers. Rigs up nicely again, plus 7. Production remains flat. Uh, and there's a reason for that, which I'll discuss in a few seconds. It closed, uh, actually, 11.9 million barrels per day. Inventories were up another 1.2 million barrels this week, but the real problem is distillate inventories. They were down another 2.4 million barrels this week, and that's a real concern because, what, three-quarters of of the country's freight deliveries etc is by truck and trucks burn diesel yep Im imports 
jumped up 6.3 million barrels up 400,000 on the week refineries actually lost 100,000 barrels to close at 15.6 million barrels per day uh, we'll see what happens when the summer driving season start kicks start to kick in here um, and going back to the reason that production is flat is because frack spreads are down 50% since January of 2020. Now, a frack spread is basically a, uh, a frack unit, so they call it a spread. But uh, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, about uh, how drillers have not really responded by drilling more wells, but uh, they've been uh, completing ducts, drill but uncompleted, and that requires a frack spread. So uh, there's certainly a bottleneck there. Gotcha. Natural gas stayed strong, of course, too, again, even though it sold off a bit toward the end of the week. What was the natural gas price? I didn't. Have it was it was well that. over eight dollars for a good part of the week, and I think it was seven something this morning. I didn't see the close. I think that that is one of the energy components that did maybe come off uh, the boil because of the weakness elsewhere. But the the I think the bullish fundamentals for natural gas are still there for all the reasons we've <laughs> talked about recently. And then uranium. It's only taken fifteen yeah. years. Right. We've had a bull market in that gas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and two thousand and seven. Yep. Actually. And we got one in uranium too, which which clawed back a little bit of its recent losses this week. Yeah, I closed at fifty four twenty five up a buck and a quarter on the week. Okay, moving on to the money subject, and and this week's theme, folks, is Pablum Powell punts on fourth and inches. Um, a lot of widespread, sometimes maybe cockamamie reaction, as we alluded to at the top of the show, over uh, the Fed's rate hike this week. And, uh, boy, looking at the dollar, you'd think that uh, they raised interest rates more than they did. Dollar closed very strong once again at 103.62, up four-tenths percent on the week. Uh, basically... In my opinion, the Fed punted this week uh, with a half percent rise. That was baked into the market. Powell comes out very dovish and said, we're not considering a three-quarters of a percent raise in interest rates. Uh, the market did not react well to that news. Uh, and he also uh, postponed so-called quantitative tapering. I don't know why the hell they don't uh, call it uh, uh, decreasing the money supply or quit buying back our own bonds. So uh, basically, we're printing more money. Um, and in my opinion, uh, what he did was basically put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Well, he did. Now, now we can go ahead and discuss what kind of bullet and what kind of gun it came out of. <laughs> but that's my honest opinion. Yeah, and and look, I I can't disagree with that. I I think that uh, even if there was some overreaction as far as the actual rate hike, the fact that we've got a guy who felt compelled before he spoke to Wall Street to uh, I, I think was a somewhat condescending address the American people 
and tell us about how onerous inflation is. And he almost sounded like Slick Willie, I feel your pain kind of thing. And yet, as you just pointed out, they're still net the rest of this month buying bonds. Uh, yes, sir. Until, so, until they take a couple of baby steps starting in June uh, and start to actually sell some of them, which is like emptying a bathtub with a thimble. Well, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use, it's appropriate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, does not look good going no. forward. I mean, interest rates, you know, the 10-year Treasury, which is the bellwether these days, closed at 312 for the week. And, Mickey, between that and the dollar index, both of them, if you look at charts going back a decade, the dollar index is up at its highest level of the last decade. The 10-year Treasury is just about to break its highest interest rate of the last decade. And we may see some fireworks if, if both of those things happen. And directional traders and computers seeing that really turn this into a rout. What do you think the odds are of that? Well, the choice was inflation or a recession. And Powell basically chose in my opinion to continue on the inflation route but rest assured uh, we are in a recession we had q1 gdp negative uh if q2 comes in negative at the end of june that is an official recession yeah we should also mention the euro was flat closed at 1055 basically the same as last week and the loony closed at 77.61 for a 35 basis points drop. Wow. Well, moving on to the stock market, you know, even if the weekly numbers weren't changed that much, boy, we had some crazy stuff. And again, it just shows that a lot of times when a bull market is rolling over into a bear market, you get this kind of volatility, and we sure had it in spades this week, didn't we? Well, we certainly did, and I expect volatility to continue. We'll just start there. The VIX, the fear index, the volatility index, uh, closed at 30 today, but it ranged as high as 35. So we saw this very high volatility Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, S&P 500, since the VIX is its futures index, closed at 41.24. That's only off uh, eight points on the week. The Dow lost for the sixth week in a row, closed at 32.899 for a two-tenths of percent loss. NASDAQ had another bad week, closed down one-half percent to 12.145. But the big story here, Chris, is the markets were up across the board about 2% on Wednesday, and they completely sold off yesterday all they all lost about three percent and they were down again today yeah uh, the one thing that i guess if you're long stocks out there folks and you want to take anything and cross your fingers away from this week is that there could have been when a nasdaq broke its its yearly low 
uh, recently. There could have been even more of a waterfall decline. The fact that Friday today ended with a little, you know, with a less bad decline, maybe you know the the they'll circle the wagons and it won't completely fall out of bed. But that, again, that's going to be based on Fed policy. The dollar, if interest rates keep going up and a lot. Uh, finally, on stock indices, the yeah, the Nasdaq change. was only down one point four percent. Yeah, not terrible. <laughs> The venture exchange took half of what it lost yesterday. Right, the venture got a brutal beating this week, though. Well, and there's a reason for that. It closed at a 17-month low on the venture index at 770 for a five and a half percent loss. So that low was set during tax loss selling season in December of 2020, and volumes remain. Uh, less than half of what I would call low volumes, extremely low volumes, about 30 million shares traded today, and maybe this is the new normal. Yeah. No interest at all in high-risk, high-reward speculations. Yeah, something else. Well, what craziness might we see next week, do you think? Well, it's obvious that pundits don't trust the Fed, especially the Fed chairman. Now he's got a cabal of uh, economists behind him. But uh, as Steve Moore just said on uh, on Kudlow's show, uh, my friend Steve Moore, Moore who uh, is an art laugher, supply-side sort of economist, the Fed has a leadership crisis. And... I think that's reflected in these very nervous markets. Next week, a couple of biggies toward the end of the week. We got the consumer price index and the producer price index, both measures of inflation. The consensus is that year over year, it's going to come in at 8.1%. So uh, it was 8.5% year over year in March inflation. of course, we know it's really about twice that, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, well, uh, there are probably going to be some who want to start uh, wave, waving the victory flags if we get a lower year-over-year number, which we're probably going to get a few of them. The year-over-year comparisons now are going to be less bad, arguably, and we may see inflation flutter back down, but the idea that we're going to get to 2%, forget it, folks. I, I that's There's a lot of reasons why that probably won't happen. Uh, as we close down the show for this week, Mickey, what's this week's parting snark? Which best describes content personnel, a.k.a. censors, at Twitter's Frisco headquarters? Choices are, number one, Soy Boy's Snowflakes. Number two, Libtards. Number three, Pending Ex-Employees. Or number four, we solicit your snark by replying below. (laughs) You know, it it sounds a little bit hokey and even half mean, but I always did like that libtard label. (laughs) I think think that's kind of all-encompassing. Well, I would agree with that, but I'm going to vote because uh, Elon Musk is a current hero to free speech in our country. I'm going to say pending ex-employees. Good. I hope I hope you're right. They 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 desperately need to be. 
Super. Well, we'll we'll see what next week brings in the form of those economic stats and inflation, and and if the markets uh, uh, react uh, positively, if we do get a slightly less bad year-over-year number. It doesn't mean everything has changed, but it will probably be just the latest example of how gullible Wall Street is and how they still drink Powell's Kool-Aid more than not. We'll see. I'm bearish on the markets. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks a lot, Chris. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter under at MercenaryGeo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at NationalInvestor.com and on Twitter, it's at NatInvestor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.